0: Hello and welcome to Fertility Talks, the therapy fertility podcast. I'm your host Renee von Medding. Today's podcast might be a little bit different to what you're used to. Today I had the pleasure of speaking to Sarah, one of our therapy fertility patients who is still in the middle of her IVF journey. This chat is going to be a bit different from what probably our viewers and listeners are used to. When when we're chatting to people, we're talking to people who are kind of at the end of their journey. And that's not the case for you.
1: At that stage, yeah, we were two years trying. It's my first time I got positive. Came in and had my, my early scan here and they said there was no heartbeat.
0: And so many people go through years and years of this and have that in their head and have that mentality of you can beat me down and I'm just going to get back up and I'm going to keep going and you're battered and bruised and you don't <laughs> have the time or the space
1: to heal any of that. That was really, really hard that day, especially because that's what was in my head. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be Mother's Day and like, what am I now?
0: Thank you so much for coming in, Sarah.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, this chat is going to be a bit different from what probably our viewers and listeners are used to because normally when when we're chatting to people we're talking to people who are kind of at the end of their journey Mm -hmm. so to speak and that's not the case for you and i think that this conversation is going to be really important Mm -hmm. to have and i i so appreciate you coming in no problem (laughs) so do you want to um maybe just tell me a bit about yourself and how you came to find yourself at Therapy Fertility.
1: Yeah. So, um, well, the journey kind of started back in 2019 now. Yeah. Um, myself and my husband, um, had just bought our house and we decided that we were going to start trying for children. Um, I was pretty chilled about it. Like we were young enough at the time. I think we were like 27 or something. So, um, yeah, the usual thing where I just thought, oh yeah, we'll, I, you know, I'll just go off contraception and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty chill about it at the start mm-hmm. because, yeah, I suppose like that we were just in our new house and we thought, we'll see how things go. I was probably about six months in mm-hmm. when I kind of went, actually, it has been a little bit of time and that's when it kind of mm-hmm. twigged with me. Um, we were just going into lockdown at that stage as well. So it was probably then once I kinda stopped working in things mm. that I suddenly went, Actually it's been a little bit of time. Maybe I'll fo- maybe we should be a bit little bit more proactive. Um be a bit more conscious of timing and things like that. Um, did the usual thing, got the ovulation kits <laughs> and things like that. Um, which I know some people swear by, but for some reason it was like I never ovulated, which really panicked me. They never went positive. Yeah. And I love and I remember when I started doing them I didn't tell him I started doing them I was like he's gonna think I'm a crazy person (laughs) so I was like I don't want to go full crazy just yet I'll um so when I was doing them and they weren't going positive I was like okay and then I started googling that's where it started to creep in maybe something's not right um continued anyway for another few months but yeah once it got to just before the year I kind of we had talked about it a little bit but I just said I feel like something should have happened you know isn't this how it works and yeah. <laughs> um, so i approached the subject i would be the most patient person <laughs> so i kind of said you know what why don't i just reach out what would be the next steps and um, i had already done a little bit of googling and kind of realized okay initial tests aren't that scary there mm. some blood tests i was like i can deal with that that's mm. not a big deal um possible semen analysis so we um chatted about it and I reached out to um I went straight for a clinic I didn't go yeah, GP yeah, yeah. of yeah, course yeah. I was like straight no let's go get to the source to the source yeah yeah um so yeah we went and had uh, our first consultation um it was just on the year and I knew I was young as well so I at what part, age were you at such time? at that stage yeah I was, I was 28 okay So in my head, I was like, oh, they're going to just tell me to go away because I'm young. Yeah, (laughs) basically, (laughs) don't be so impatient. Um, But no, they didn't. (laughs) They were more than happy to see me come in. So I had the initial consultation and and that's the first time I met Dr. John as well. So loved him, my initial consultation. He was so, so good. Um, And that was in his previous clinic. Yeah, in the previous clinic. So it was. Yeah, I had my consultation with him. They came back, everything was normal. So that's why I was told everything was normal. Semen analysis was normal. All my levels were normal. Um, AMH was really good for my age. So at that stage, you know, we broached the subjective possibility of IUI, but you know what? If you want to give it a couple months, see how you feel. So that was okay for a few months. I kind of went, you know what, I've checked and I know there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, I had a assist as well, okay. like so at that stage too. So I was like, okay, there's nothing wrong as such so we'll see how we go gave it another couple of months um nothing happened so I said you know what let's go for it let's let's try IUI um at that stage Dr. John had moved on (laughs) so I had another doctor (laughs) uh yeah it was um so I yeah jumped into IUI um ended up doing four rounds of that the first two were cancelled so that was really tough first was like underacting then overacting overactive um or responding I should say and then we did two full rounds of IUI and nothing so that was like another six months down the line you know I'm hitting a year and a half now and I just thought okay um now's the time to talk about IVF and mm. um, so we had that com- conversation I think I, because I was in it I knew it was a huge deal, but I was, I was on that train and I was like, yeah, let's just go for it. I
0: know you kind of um, get the blinkers and you're just, you're like, you just gotta, gotta get this done. You yeah.
1: Know? So I don't think I thought about it mm. as much as I probably should have. Mm. Um, I was just like, yeah, IVF brilliant. Isn't that what mm. you do to, mm-hmm. to have a baby if you can't have one naturally? Yeah. Um, so I had that conversation then and we were just about to get ready to head into, um, around doing the IVF and I read about therapy opening and it was Dr. John. So I was like, hold on a minute. I was like, I want to switch. <laughs> so we made the switch <laughs> straight away. I got straight on therapy, like right yeah. after they opened and I was like, I want to come here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was, uh, I said the start of August, yeah. uh, 2021 yeah. at that stage. So yeah, we were over a year um, into treatments for them. And um, met Dr. John again and um, showed him everything we'd gone through. We said, yeah, we'll go for IVF. Mm-hmm. So we did. Um, I remember arriving and I was like, I'm on this day in my cycle, so can I start my meds? And it yeah. was, it was like four days after yeah, yeah, meeting yeah. them, straight in again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, nonstop, straight in, had a retrieval. Um, it went okay. Um, I think I had got 18 eggs that time, nine matured. We ended up though just with two embryos. So I was a bit disappointed and um, it was a bit lower than we were expecting, but I was like, okay, you've got two embryos. So I did a fresh transfer. I was able to do a fresh transfer, which was great um, and was unsuccessful. Um, So that was in the October of 21. And then I did a frozen transfer straight away again, of course, in November 21. Um, and that time I got pregnant. So uh, yeah, that was... I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was my first, I think at that stage, yeah, we were two years trying. And yeah, it was my first time I got positive. Um, it was amazing. Uh I remember Dr. John calling me. and he called me himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't usually do that yeah. for everyone. <laughs> he called me himself, yeah. and I remember him saying that. He was yeah. just like, you know, he said, Oh, I had to call you yeah. when I saw it. And uh because that stage, yeah, we'd been as he said we've been, we've been in this together now for so long he yeah, was yeah, like yeah. I, I had to call you myself so that was great um and yeah I I, I had tested the day before the blood test like you're not supposed to but I did Look, so I <laughs> <said. Yeah>. um <laughs> so yeah so I had the positive the day before so I kind of had the idea it went positive straight away mm-hmm. so had the positive bloods um because we were at the end of November around then mm-hmm. my first scan then was due the first week of um january okay. just because of christmas and that um yeah i had lots of symptoms i was mm-hmm. sick i was living on dry crackers um, yeah. <laughs> many things and um i actually got COVID over christmas oh. and new year and then had the panic stations had the, yeah. had the teary call to whoever poor nurse who got me here um so yeah we had to push my scan and um, so by the time I came in for my early scan I was actually closer to I was nearly 10 weeks okay I oh, expect uh, I was supposed to be 10 weeks and um, so yeah I came in and had my, my early scan here and and they said there was no heartbeat um so that was it was such a shock, and it, now that I look on it, it it seems so silly that it was a shock. But it was, I was, I was so surprised. Mm. <laughs> um, I think the whole time I was on that train, I was like, "I just have to get pregnant." And then I kind of thought, "Oh, I'm pregnant now. Mm. Um, what could go wrong?" Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is where I needed to get to, I know. and it seemed like that. It was like just you know, it just felt like the goalpost had jumped mm. <laughs> so far away. Um, so yeah, and I also, despite all my reading, I didn't know the term missed miscarriage or silent miscarriage. Um, I think that was the biggest surprise for me because I had all the symptoms and I think, well, the one thing was like going through IVF, taking so long to get pregnant in the first place. Um obviously I was very anxious and you're looking out for all the signs like when you wake up in the morning just pause for a minute and be like yeah no still feel awful <laughs> yep still there my so sore. Yeah, yeah that's it I was literally yeah, like yeah. okay boobs sore yeah, and I feel eccentric. not yet. Yeah. so I'm like okay and it was such a comfort to me the symptoms were such mm-hmm. a comfort um and in my head I remember um they were saying it to me here when they said there was no heartbeat and I, I'm pretty sure I straight away was like but I wasn't bleeding um, and I just associated.
0: How could, yeah, how could, how could something have gone wrong? I still feel pregnant. I yeah. am not bleeding. I don't have pain in my tummy. Nothing, there was
1: nothing to to show that. Um, and it was just unfortunate because I was kind of a little bit later. I had actually, uh, like our, my family have known the whole journey the whole time. And my closest friends have known the whole time. I'm very open. Um, mainly because I learned so much from the whole journey. Yeah. that I was very open with everyone because yeah. I was like everyone should know these things yeah. do you know it's not as easy as as you think it is or mm-hmm. how they tell you in school um so yeah uh but a wider friends that we had just told some people recently like I know it's still a bit early but I had told people are at that stage so that was really hard there was people knew we were having the scan and stuff so so yeah um then I, we had to it has to be confirmed um so we went to the rotunda which is not a fun place to go <laughs> during that at that stage um it's to got to the early pregnancy unit so uh yeah we we had i kind of pushed a little bit for surgical management and i was presented with the options of just the three options of waiting um or medical management so taking medication at home um or surgical mm. a d and um i At that point, I kind of wanted the surgery, um, but the doctor didn't recommend it. They Mm -hmm. said that I should try medical first. Um, It was just a balance of risks, I suppose, in in her opinion at the time. She was like, if you're going through IVF, we're trying to be as least invasive as possible. So I had to um, take the medication. So I went home. We tried medical management and it didn't work. it was a really hard few weeks um i think the worst thing about that time is that you then have to keep testing to what to make sure your uh cg levels go down yeah yeah so for years i had been doing pregnancy tests and hoping for a positive and all of a sudden i'm doing lots of pregnancy tests seeing a positive and hoping for a negative um so yeah the the mental side of that was was very difficult um like that I still had complete positive straight away they told me to go and buy like the cheapest te- like mm. one euro 150 yeah, yeah, to everything that are like least sensitive um but they were going positive straight away so I was back in the rotunda a few weeks later and um, and we went with DNC then at that point so that was February of last year 22 um had the DNC C. Um, came out F- physically. I was okay afterwards. Um, I kind of recovered pretty quickly. Um, for the first week or so after a couple of weeks, I didn't feel well again. I c- was getting pains. Um, bleeding returned very heavily. Um, I was kind of still back and forth with Rotunda, giving them updates, which was really tough because at that stage, you know, it was six, seven weeks after I had found out I had lost the baby and it just seemed to be dragging on so long. Um, but unfortunately I ended up back in the hospital and I had, there were there was still tissue inside, so I had an infection. Um, but they also discovered at that point that I actually had this really rare thing, um, a UVM, so it's a uterine, what was it? Oh, sorry. Uterine, a venous malformation or something. Okay. Um so essentially they're unsure how it developed, but um trauma in the womb, um a vein and an artery in my uterus had fused together. Um and that's what was causing the pain because I was getting these shooting pains kind of down my leg. Um and it was that they were quite enlarged. So I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital. I wasn't allowed to leave the ward. <laughs> they literally had me on like bed rest, don't move anywhere. Um so I was in the rotunda for almost a week because they had to treat the infection because they couldn't go in to do the DNC they couldn't do any surgery and um, before first of all confirming that that's what I had there was many scans I was sent out to have CTs Um, no one knew what it was at the start so it took about four or five days to find out Um, I was in the rotunda on my own and um, at that stage due to like COVID restrictions there was one person allowed in just at visiting times um See, it was very scary because I had no idea what was going on.
0: (laughs) And that's also incredibly difficult to be in a maternity hospital, surrounded by people in labour and bumps. And
1: yeah, it was hard. Um, I think because I was up and down so much for Mm. like scans and that. Obviously, you see everybody who's going Mm. around. Um, I was in like the gynaecological board but still and like the the staff are incredible i have Mm. to say that the nurses like they really were and they really took great care of Mm. me because you know they knew why i was there Mm. um and yeah at the same time i was almost kind of scared to go out the door Mm. um i was actually there i remember the weekend i was there was actually the stage where at the end of march um it was mother's day so i remember being in the hospital and thinking I thought this was going to be my first Mother's Day mm. um. because by that stage I should have been halfway through my pregnancy and I was like and I'm still here like it still isn't mm. over no resolution to yeah. it yeah. Um, so yeah that, w- that was really really hard that day especially because that's what was in my head I was like oh I thought this was going to be Mother's Day and like what am I now mm. there's a, a loss of kind of identity as was at that stage as well just it was very very tough um and to be yeah in the maturity hospital on that day yeah it was hard <laughs> um but when they yeah when they confirmed what what I had they scheduled me for surgery so I ended up having to have two surgeries on the same day and um, they wanted to go in and do an embolization mm-hmm. so essentially insert um support so like a foam so that they explained it to me um into into the vein so that um to cut off the blood supply. yeah they needed to um yeah alleviate the risk there so that they could go in and do the repeat DNC um and that was all done. I got transferred to Connolly and had that done there um so yeah overall I was in hospital for over a week, had that and was discharged then and a good bit of recovery mm-hmm. at that stage. Um, that was really, really hard. I think, As I said, from the start, my whole journey was really on a bullet train and that stopped me in my tracks. Even, I don't think I felt, because there was so much going on, I don't think I felt the full loss until after that stage. Mm. Um, And that was April.
0: Yeah, so that was April last year. And at at what point, at what point did it hit you, I suppose? You know, and you as a couple, you and your husband, what the last year and a
1: half when I came out of hospital I was kind of forced to rest anyway physically rest and everything so I was off work for a few weeks and everything Um, my parents literally hid my car they took I because I had driven myself to the Rotunda because I was like oh I'll be in and out and then they kept me so my car was parked inside my dad came and collected it and brought it to his house and I wasn't allowed to have it back so then basically I had to stay at home (laughs) so yeah I had to was forced to, to rest um but even then I had only actually started a new job. I only started a new job, and during that time as well, um, so I was really had it in my head. I have to get back to work and get back into it. And I, although I rested physically and I looked after myself physically, I don't think I let it register even at that point. Jumped back into work, and that only lasted a couple of weeks. I would say it was probably May. Things came to kind of ahead, um. It started to show then I wasn't doing well in myself mm. I was but I probably wasn't letting myself feel it at the same time it was very hard I was very torn I felt lost I felt I didn't trust myself in a way and I think that's what came from um, having the mis- miscarriage I think because I'd reassured myself that everything was okay and I kind of felt like I had been lying to people and lying to myself in a way that it wasn't real. Mm. Because for estimated two weeks, I was like that's what I was telling people I was pregnant. Like
0: mm.
1: I had already lost the pregnancy technically, and it was so that was really difficult. Um, and I'm definitely the one who kind of <laughs> pushes us to talk about our feelings and. Um, the driver behind that. So, my poor husband, I don't think he knew really what to do.
0: Mm. And at that point, had you had any sort of counseling? Had you linked in with any support groups? Had you.
1: No. No. Yeah. <laughs> and it was offered 100% mm. and it was recommended, of mm. course. Oh, something such as actually like Dr. J- the guys here were amazing. Mm. Um, like, throughout that time, that I was going through all that like I think John called me about three times at least in that yeah. time himself and yeah. um, probably because every time he called me I'm like no it's it's still it's still yeah. going on yeah um, and like that he said you know really make sure you look after yourself and each other and of course everyone said to me you know you should go and talk to people at that point I remember just I think I was still shocked but also angry mm. and I kind of thought well what are they gonna do like yeah. they can't help me yeah what's the point yeah they can't in my head I was like they can't fix what's what's wrong mm. um, and yeah I just really bottled up at that mm. point I wasn't and I was the same at home so yeah poor Cahill he didn't um, and, he didn't know what to do <laughs> couldn't speak to me yeah. Um and it did kind of it just kind of came to a head where like he did he just sat me down one day and was like I'm really really concerned and i think he had been speaking to my mom as well mm. um and he's like you know we need to do something here um and like that we were i was kind of like i was i was just pick, i was really difficult i really was i was just picking fights with him Um we struggled a lot at that point and it was only more so when we started to fight a bit more i think that i suddenly went what's happening here yeah this is not yeah this isn't this isn't do. good yeah um and so that's at that point was when we kind of went and saw it we, we did we went and sought kind of counseling um together great for ourselves like for yeah our relationship mm-hmm. at that point I suppose but just to work through those things together um and like that I attended sessions then on my own too yeah and it was it was it was a help despite the fact that I said it wasn't going to be and they can't help it was um there was just so much and I think it had built up over so much mm-hmm. time there's kind of a case of Although I was letting people in and telling people about the journey and about the treatments, I was putting on a brave face the whole time. Mm. Um, and I think when you have that end goal of, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get my baby. Like, that's yeah. what I'm here for. Um, it's like even though you get knocked down, you're like, okay, I have to keep going mm. because it's gonna be worth it in the end. Yeah, um, and, so, and
0: so many people go through years and years of this and have that in their head and have that mentality of you can beat me down and I'm just going to get back up and I'm going to keep going and you're battered and bruised and yeah you don't (laughs) have the time or the space to heal any of that you know and you just keep going and you just you're getting like bruises on top of bruises on top of wounds and Mm -hmm. you know and then you get to the end of it and sometimes people are just so broken by it
1: yeah and I think that's that's how I last summer that's how I described Mm. myself was broken I think because it was such a long process Mm. physically and in my head of course I sat there going okay well now it's like June July it's Mm. been months since my last treatment I should I should go again yeah yeah but I did recognize I was like I wanted to go again but I couldn't Mm. and then my expected due date was coming up as well the start Mm. of August and I was that was really hard and I knew it was coming and so we did we just had to stop and I think it was the best thing for us at the Mm -hmm. time we just needed a bit of a break we needed to look after ourselves and each other um and yeah I needed that space because I was pushing myself too much yeah now all the pressure was coming from me because I I wanted to keep going um I had this time limit in my head as well you know my grand plan where I was going to have two kids before I was 30. By age this by age this yeah yeah and I remember saying that in counseling last year and I was like I know that's crazy Mm. but when I turned 30 last year like it was really difficult yeah (laughs) because in in your head you're like I'm supposed to have two kids by now yeah and I um I remember (laughs) I remember when I got pregnant and everyone was like you're going to be pregnant for when you're thirty. And I was like, Yes, that counts. Yeah. <laughs> um and I wasn't because my birthday's in January. <laughs> so yeah. And it was just ve- yeah, it was very hard and looking now, I'm yeah, I really wish I had kind of gotten a bit more support earlier, but I like it was offered left, right, and centre. It was just it was you just you weren't me. ready to Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah having those few months we had a few months off where we did mm. we just went to counseling um got ourselves back mm. and um decided to try again we d- we decided to do ICSI. We went you yep. uh, ICSI, and um, got back into treatment At the end of September of last year did around in October a retrieval and unfortunately I got no embryos this time and mm. um, so that was just another hit in a way because I was like we had spent time building ourselves back up and we're ready to go it's just such a kick in the face isn't it because
0: especially when you feel like you've put so much time into like yourself and you've taken the time and you're really you're coming into it with a much better headspace yeah you kind of feel like you deserve it right that's it I was like look what I I did what I was meant to do and that's just that's the thing about fertility treatment is it's not about if you are deserving of it or if you yeah. work the hardest you can be the person who puts in the most effort <laughs> let's say
1: my favorite thing to do I'm like if I work hard enough at it I'll and it's get what I not want.
0: <laughs> work doesn't equal reward in fertility treatment which is so hard to kind of um, grapple with as someone who is used to in most aspects of our lives <laughs> if you work hard you get what you deserve and yeah. that's just not the case in fertility treatment which is really hard it, it's its numbers and its chance and its percentages and its yeah. you know cumulative success
1: <laughs> of just trying again that's it and yeah it's it's very interesting I think one big thing I've taken from it is just the uh when you realize just how lucky mm. people are yeah. <laughs> when you do get to have a baby and it is yeah. it's like it's it's amazing when you break it down to be like what the chances actually yeah. are and yeah. you have no awareness of it I think that's one of the biggest surprises, I mm. think, coming into fertility treatment um, like that. It isn't hugely spoken about. It definitely has gotten better. And mm. I've even seen that in the few years yeah. I've been involved. Um, I wasn't sure if it was just because I was aware of it, because I was in yeah. it, but I do think there's no, more of No, it's definitely public, getting better the in the last, last couple of years, years. yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah. Um, and it is, I am someone who talks about it. <laughs> um, and I think I just talk about it normally because I want to normalize it mm. Um I have two younger sisters this big age difference between us so of one's 22 one's 16 so they were very young when I started and I was honest from the start and mm. um, and it was more because I thought like people should be aware of this mm. I feel like everyone should but women nice like I feel like you should be aware <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's this potential I thought if I normalize it they might feel it as normal and they might spread that kind of mm. message too and um, I know that my friends as well, um, were shocked, I think. <laughs> They've gotten many science lessons from me at this point. <laughs> um, to learn different things. So and it's amazing, it is that case that the minute you talk about it, you'll always find someone who's like, oh, me too. Me, oh absolutely. And there's there's an awful lot of that mm. with fertility treatment and with pregnancy loss. Mm. Um that's definitely a trickier one. <laughs> um to talk about I try it's hard I try to be open with it in a way because part of me the logical part of me is like this should be spoken about Mm. um it should be normalized I feel like people shouldn't be hiding away Mm. um and one of the biggest supports I think that I had was um groups actually on social media Mm. um it's incredible (laughs) when you go to look how many people there are yeah (laughs) um and they were probably the biggest support it's people sharing their Mm. stories um and then you don't feel alone Mm. and you feel seen and heard and and validated and i think that's that's all anyone wants who's going on Mm. such a difficult journey that largely is hidden even when you do share parts Mm. of it yeah um yeah i think because it's such a consuming process
0: (laughs) it really is and i think you know what you said about sharing the side of pregnancy loss after fertility treatment is so important because so many people including those going through it Mm. have this mentality of if i can just get pregnant yeah (laughs) then everything will be fine and it comes as such a blow and such a shock and it's almost harder than not being able to get pregnant in the first place.
1: Yeah. You get like it's it's almost like you got a taste of it. It's yeah. That's what you were aiming for and I got it. But then mm. that wasn't yeah. that wasn't it. Um and it is one of the hardest things I know. Like when I went back and did the next round in mm. in October, in my head I was like, Okay, no, I'm okay. You mm. know, I've looked after myself. I've yeah. I've been to Kelly. Can- I was still doing the cancelling and everything. Still going at that time and I was like, no, I'm ready for this. Um, but it was very tough mm. coming back in. I didn't realize how emotional I would be mm. when I came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure my first, like, <laughs> scan to get checked. Um, I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> and I'm sure they were probably, like, <laughs> it was up for nothing. It was literally, like, how many follicles have I got? I think it was, like, day four or five. Like, how many? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think... At that stage again i was kind of going okay if i can keep Mm. going you know i've had the hard time Mm. (laughs) um if i can get through this and then you kind of get another knock and it is it is hard and like you said once you're in it a lot of people keep going when Mm. they get those knocks which is very tough because you're just chipping away (laughs) at yourself um and i also think there is that case of and there's nothing wrong with it but there is that thing of Oh, if you're going through IVF and going through fertility, it's like, oh, you're so strong. Yeah. So you're like, I have to be strong. Yeah, you're like, I'm you're like, I'm not
0: I'm not strong. I but <laughs> no. I have no choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It is about choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and although, yeah, I suppose you you choose to go to fertility treatment, it's it's not yeah. Yeah, and that that is me. I am. Yeah. Um, I always wanted children. Mm. I always knew I wanted children. Um, worked with children all my life, mm. and when I me and my husband it was first, I was ten years ago now. I remember when the first things I said to him when he asked me to be his girlfriend was, we were literally twenty, twenty one, and I was like, okay, well, two things. I was like, I am going traveling, yeah. so, and I was going the following yeah. year. So I was like, I am yeah. going with yeah. with the rest of you, um, and I am having children. So and he kind of looked Get at me. on board, <laughs> yeah. And it was literally like, "Don't waste my time." Okay, so it's non-negotiable. I was like, "I've told you now, straight up front, it's non-negotiable." And I was twenty-one years of age, Yeah. and I was like, "So this won't be a shock to you in a few mm. years." <laughs> so yeah, and I think because I was so open with it, it was always something we discussed through mm. our relationship. We did. We moved abroad and lived abroad. We came home, and the reason we mm. came home was because we were getting married, and I wanted to have my children in Ireland. Mm um and that was in 2018 yeah so we were talking we knew in 2017 18 Mm -hmm. right we'll get married buy our house Mm -hmm. and start then yeah um it was when we first came home i was living with my parents so that was the plan
0: (laughs) and i imagine you never ever thought that you would end up here no (laughs)
1: no i didn't um and it's funny. I did, I did know people, um, like people close to kind of the family. I knew mm-hmm. one or two who had had IVF, mm-hmm. but again, I didn't really understand what that meant at the time. You know, I was aware. Yeah. Oh, so and so had struggled and had IVF and had their baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and so was struggled and had IVF and mm-hmm. had their baby. Um, in my close family or anything, like my mom, mm-hmm. there was no. There's never been any issues. So yeah, it just wasn't on my radar. Um. And it was funny because I was I was completely fine with it mm. I think because I knew what I wanted yeah. <laughs> and I was like okay it's not working I'm just gonna this is the next step yeah. and I was comfortable I was fine yeah. with that it wasn't um yeah I wasn't worried about it wasn't worried about it in the sense of oh god I have to go have IVF yeah. or I was happy to but I had so little knowledge
0: mm.
1: even when I thought I did knew yeah. I didn't yeah um so yeah it's it's definitely been a learning curve. <laughs> yeah. One question that people
0: often wonder mm-hmm. is how you've kind of managed this journey as a couple. And if you feel like it has, well, obviously it's <laughs> challenged you, but do you feel like it's brought you closer together or how do you feel this has impacted on your marriage?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because it's it's such an important thing mm. and it's not something we considered mm. Um, and I think it's because when you um go into fertility treatment I definitely anyway you know I presumed <laughs> at the start I kind of thought I don't know who I thought I was bluffing but mm. in my head I was like you know I'll make the appointments and I'll get pregnant yeah or um, you know, I'll I'll do a round of treatment, it will work, and I'll get pregnant naturally. Yep. And I think those stories you hear quite regularly. Yeah. And <laughs> um, so I had that in my head. We had no idea how long it was going mm. to go on for. Um. And as I said, it was really only last year that it, it started to hit. Um. It was very tough, and it really challenged us. It really, really did. Um. I think even just our personalities. Um. I'm very much the caretaker and I look after things mm. um, and that's not to say he doesn't take care of me or look after me he does Um you're the, you're the fixer yes yes mm. <laughs> yeah so I think when I was broken mm. he had no idea what to do and mm. I, I was very little help I, I didn't tell him what I needed I couldn't I couldn't verbalize it um, so there was definitely communication breakdown mm. and we were just button heads um, so it did, it caused a lot of trouble and I think it was because I was angry and of course, who you gonna take it out on, but the person at home. So when he was trying his best, I was very much just, um, even when he was trying, I was just kind of saying, you know, oh, do you, like, he doesn't understand, he doesn't get what mm-hmm. I've been through or what I've done, but he was there mm-hmm. and it was probably really, Oh, well, it was, it was definitely very tough for him mm-hmm. because he just had to watch it happen and um, couldn't do anything so it definitely challenged us mm. and it did take time and it took effort um, because we hadn't put in time really into each other yeah, we kind of did let that slide because the focus was always on treatment, it was mm. all consuming because of the way that we both kept going and going um, we're definitely we're definitely closer now mm. it really that pause last year really taking the time to uh, invest in our relationship mm. invest in each other um, and ourselves it it's really has paid off we're much closer we're much better at communicating mm. um and even around the treatments yeah um we discuss things even though i thought we discussed things before yeah. but even though we're not as blinkered i think yeah. And we definitely take things into consideration, looking at how things, how tough things can get. Yeah. We take more considerations and we discuss things more. So definitely has helped us at the end. Um, but no, it, it's not easy. And I think, I think it's going to be like that almost for everyone. Because even when you think you know what you're getting into, you don't. Um, there is no exact end date. You don't know. You can hope <laughs> and yeah. hope it's going to be short term, but you don't know. So it is important, I think, to to really check in with each other yeah. um, and to recognize that, you know, if one is struggling, that maybe you do need to hit pause and, and regroup a little bit. Mm. um, Because at the end of the day, if you keep going and if we had kept going on that train, you know, it would have been there would have been a crash. Yeah, exactly. It would have literally it would, it would have been a crash. It would have just been us fighting with each other are mm-hmm. not on the same page not in a happy place but still trying to do this massive mm-hmm. massive um journey yeah so it really would taking a toll
0: <laughs> so in terms of an end date or a goal obviously
1: we we all know what your goal is <laughs> but what yeah. are the next steps for you two um so we are going to head into another round in March and <laughs> um, do another round another egg retrieval um, because my two cycles were a bit different mm. so one obviously I got embryos and one I didn't Um, for lack of a better word and John laughed at me when I said it but it's best two out of three I guess <laughs> <laughs> Um, I th- that's what I love about him he's so straight mm-hmm. and I'm so straight I, mm-hmm. I remember saying that to him the first time I met him I was like I know this is going to be difficult. me telling him his job like three years ago now. And I was going, I know it's going to be difficult. I said, but I'm not delicate. And mm. I was like, I would much rather you tell me straight out how it is because then I can plan and prepare myself yeah. and that's fine. Well, you picked the right doctor for that, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. I was like, please don't, like, but don't pander mm. to me. <laughs> I don't need it. It's okay. Um, and I am. I feel like I am that person who, if I have information, mm. I can protect myself with mm. that. So, yeah, so we are going to jump into another round um, of ICSI and um, hopefully we'll get some embryos. Um, if it's a case that that doesn't work out for us, um, we have already, it was briefly mentioned by John, but we have looked at the possibility of egg donation. Okay. so. That was that's the next thing to learn about. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing to other do learning do. curve. That's it. Yeah. Um, we've already looked into it a little bit. Yeah. Because I can't help myself. <laughs> I must know all on, all things. Um, but yeah, we've got a bit of information on it. Just to have it as a backup, I think mm. I use that a bit as a comfort. Yeah. Um. But that there are yeah. always options, and that's it. That's thing. it. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I've definitely learned mm. that when you think, you know one avenue is close mm-hmm. to you there are more yeah Um, so I do have comfort in that even when things haven't worked yep. out I'm going okay but there's actually something else we can try yep. so that's really good that's okay. that's really what's helped us Um, so yeah that will be the next thing to possibly look into okay. if if it doesn't work out yeah I
0: think so. <laughs> final question is there something that you would tell yourself if you could go back to 2019 Sarah 2019 when you first started trying um is there something you would say to yourself about this journey that you've been on
1: (laughs) um well everyone always says to take care of yourself and Mm -hmm. to make sure you're looking after yourself um and I hope I would listen to myself because I didn't listen to anybody else Mm -hmm. um but yeah I think kind of listening to yourself feeling your own body your own moods and um, is really important if you need a break you need a break it's a very physical very emotional very mental mm. journey and mm. um, whether it's positive or negative and um, what you're going through is an awful lot and I think just remember like really remembering to take those breaks when you need them yeah and um, and to let people in yeah so the whole way. Like I said, I was very open and then I closed down. Mm. And I think that is the way almost when things get tough, you do kinda of just push people away. But yeah, continue to let people let people in let people give you the support. Mm. Um because they can see it, even if you can't, that yeah. you might need some help. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's it.
0: <laughs> well, I will be looking forward to following your story. <laughs> and you. welcoming you back next month. <laughs> Um, we're looking forward to it actually. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, well, that's good. That's, yeah. it, I mean, you know that the headspace doesn't affect the outcome necessarily, no. you know, but it does help for you. It helps, it helps personally to be in a good headspace. Yeah, you know, it's better to be in a good headspace
1: just for you, regardless of what happens. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, like that. So, we again, we took another couple of months mm. this time, and it was just in case we were coming to the end of the year, and again, recognizing I was like, okay, that was another knock. Yep. So, Let's take a month or two and let's go. So yeah, we're we're all raring to go now next month. (laughs) Uh,
0: We will all be rooting for you. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks again for sharing your story. I know it will help other people who are going through the same thing. I hope so. Thank Thank you.